Hey everybody, it's another episode of Doable Discipleship brought to you by the Spiritual Maturity Team here at Saddleback Church. I'm Doug Jones with you again, and here I have Beth Graybill. Yes, thank you, Doug. You're also on the Spiritual Maturity Team. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, so my name is Beth Graybill. I'm on the Spiritual Maturity Team. I'm the newest member of this team, and my background is in leadership development, organizational development. I love discipleship and all things growth-oriented, and I'm a mom of two mm-hmm. boys, they're middle school age. I'm a pastor's wife, and so that carries its own responsibilities as well. Mm-hmm. My husband's on the small groups team here at Saddleback Church. Yeah, and you're one of like the you're like the spousal wonder team at Saddleback. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. But keep going. <laughs> it is such a privilege, though. We love it. We love, sometimes it makes life a little crazy, you know. Yeah. But we love it. So very good. It's been special. Uh, we're picking up today in our conversation on the heart. So we we uh, we've had I guess three episodes now. We've talked about the heart. The initial episode, we get to have a conversation with uh, Pastor Chris Goulard about stewardship and talking about how mm-hmm. we can uh, we can give God more. Uh, ownership over our heart or more lordship in our lives in the area of the heart uh, by just entrusting him with uh, all the resources that are at our disposal. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also talked with uh, Steve Gladen about team, how important it is for us to have people around us that will will help guide us on this road towards spiritual maturity. So we talked about small groups. If you missed either of those or any of those three episodes, make sure you go back and watch those ones because those really build up to this point. They really kind of go one after the other. So make sure you go back and listen to those. Today, though, we're talking about an equally important aspect of giving God dominion over your heart, which is the the issue of time, Mm -hmm. that you can't really have a great relationship with somebody without spending time with them. And God is is really no uh, exception to that rule. There's a a quote from Pastor Rick that I love, and I want to quote, we'll we'll put it up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. It says, time is your most precious gift because you only have a set amount of it. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. When you give someone your time, you're giving them a portion of your life that you'll never get back. Your time is your life. Relationships take time and effort. And the best way to spell love is T-I-M-E. I I love that. Uh, so we're going to be, we're not going to say any more about this because we got a special guest today. Pastor Buddy Owens is joining us in just a couple seconds. So stick with us and we'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. Here's Pastor Buddy Owens. You probably Hi. recognize this face. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do here at Saddleback, just in case somebody is unfamiliar with you thus far? I've been here almost 14 years. I'm a teaching pastor, so uh, I get to preach on the weekends when Rick lets me, and uh, I teach Bible studies, I do retreats, I write a lot of small group studies, especially uh, material for Rick to use, Mm. Um, spend a lot of time with staff, mentoring different staff members, so that's kind of in a nutshell what I do. Very good. You've also Mm -hmm. had quite a few roles since you've been here. I have. Do you yeah. ever talk about those? I started out on the editorial side when Purpose okay. Driven and Saddleback were two separate entities. So I came in on the editorial side, but was teaching the monthly night of worship and did that for several years. Then when we folded Purpose Driven back into the church, I came in as a 201 pastor. Hmm. And I was a 201 guy for, I don't remember how long, three or four years. Um, and then after Doug Fields left the staff, Rick asked me to to take the role of teaching pastor along with Tom. Hmm. So that's what I've been doing since then. That's Very great. good. Mm-hmm. That's great. Beth, you want to take the next one? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. So, buddy, Pastor Rick talks a lot about time as a resource. Can you just unpack that from your perspective? What is time as a resource? Time as a resource. Well, uh, 
I, I guess I have less of the resource than you do now because I'm older than you are. Uh, we live for everybody. Right. Yeah. Well, that's true. Eternal life does start the day that the moment you're born again. So, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that will be another episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We are eternal beings, but our time here on earth, of course, is limited. Um, you read a quote from Rick a minute mm-hmm. ago about time. And what I thought of when you were reading that is that when it comes to where I think we're heading here today, I don't know for sure, but if we're going to be talking about how do you spend time with the Lord and in His presence, what I found to be true is the more time you spend with somebody, the more you become like them. Mm-hmm. And as parents, we know that. Mm-hmm. If you want your kids to be great kids, you want them to spend time with great kids. So the more time you spend with someone, the more you become like them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's true in in the case of discipleship and the ultimate goal, not only our own goal, but God's goal mm-hmm. of making us like Christ. Yeah. Right? Second Corinthians 3.18 says he's that's been his plan all along to make us like Jesus. We're becoming more and more like him. But that comes from spending time in his presence, mm-hmm. conversation, listening to him, talking to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I spent a big chunk of my time as a pastor, as a youth pastor. And I used to tell my students all the time, you become who you hang out with. Yeah. And so we would talk a lot about make sure you're with the kinds of people that are going to send you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And the same, as you're saying, is true with our relationship with God. If you want to become more like Jesus, you need to hang out with him. It Mm -hmm. just really comes down to that very simply. And I think we could all look back in in our lives and think about times where we hung out with people who maybe weren't the best influence and how that affected us personally Yeah. as well. Why are you looking at Doug when you say that? (laughs) Yeah. Because she still feels the aftershocks on our team with my immaturity coming Uh through. (laughs) You get it. Uh You're more mature than us, buddy. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Uh, So spending time we know has a a very, what we're saying here is spending time with God has a powerful shaping influence on us. Would Mm -hmm. you mind just getting personal a little bit and telling us a little bit about kind of the, just just the broad strokes of your spiritual journey and how your time spent with God has sort of guided and shaped you over the years? Yeah, yeah. I gave my life to Christ when I was six. So I grew up in the church. I actually literally took my first steps as a toddler in a church building. I've been in a church my whole life. Wow. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that there weren't years when I was, um, shall we say, developing my testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, my heart has always been after God, and um, I've always had a hunger to know Him better. Um but also experience, as many people do, a frustration in how do I communicate? How do I, how do I hear from him? How do I read the Bible? There was so much, so many layers of, of guilt mm. on top of the, you know, are you a man of the word? Are you a man of prayer? All of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was in my forties that, um, I taught myself a different way to read the Word, and it's what we talk about in the Deeper Devotions Mm. uh, retreat. So there's a plug for the Deeper Devotions retreat that we do every now and then out at the ranch. Um, But it was was when I finally came to the uh, frustrated decision that I was going to stop trying to be a man of the Word the way everybody else was telling me I needed to be a man of the word, you know, hmm. like covering so much ground and so much time or read through your Bible in a year and all those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And instead I decided that I was just going to read it as a part of a conversation with God and, and just completely slow down, read it actually as slowly as I could and take my time and, and what I call reading it with my ears. Hmm. What is God saying? 
what do these words sound like? And when I, when I taught myself how to read in that way, it really awakened me to a different kind of spirituality. Hmm. And it actually prepared me for where I am now. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. I was a, a businessman. Hmm. Like I said, I've been here almost 14 years, but that's my entire pastoral experience. I'm now hmm. 59. So do the math. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, for you English majors, that'd be, I was 45. Uh, anyway. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Thank you're welcome. You. <laughs> trying to help you. She's like, got her fingers out, the toes. Um, I didn't know I was going to be a pastor. I just knew that I loved the Lord and wanted to know him better. Mm-hmm. And as we said a moment ago, the way you do that is by spending time with somebody. Mm-hmm. When I slowed down and began to enjoy the time that I was spending with him, instead of, instead of just approaching it out of a sense of duty, but instead approaching it out of a sense of friendship, everything changed. Yeah. Buddy, what else has gone on in your life during that time? Was there something else that contributed to you having that desire to slow down and read the Bible from a different perspective? Um, well, yeah. <laughs> there were quite a few things that were going on. I, I had already started teaching. Okay. Again, it was not something that I knew was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I was asked to start teaching about worship. Um, the kind of work that I did was in the worship music side of things. Um, and I was asked to teach about it. So I was teaching on these huge platforms with tens of thousands of people teaching about worship. Um, and it's sort of like, I, I guess, the, the more you put out, the hungrier you, hungrier you get. Sure. But I clearly can remember... Um, a summer morning in June, my best friend had come to visit. We were sitting in the backyard. He had his Bible open. I walked out when he was sitting in the backyard drinking his coffee. So I went and I got mine. And how or why, I don't know. We weren't talking. But something happened sitting in my backyard that morning when I opened the Word and started reading. It was my grandmother's Bible, and I started reading, and I couldn't stop. Hmm. And I didn't stop for a year. Wow. Something suddenly, and I found out later why this happened, but it was a sudden, out of the blue, unexpected, unsought, um, almost compulsion. To read the word. I could not stop reading the word. I am not a morning guy. Okay. If you're talking one in the morning, no problem. Same here. Six in the morning, now you got a problem. Okay? I'm not a morning. I, I can stay up all night, but don't get me up early. Right. I would wake up at four in the morning wow. and go sit in my kitchen, open my Bible, sit it on the table, and I would read for four hours and maybe make it through three chapters. Wow. I was just talking to the Lord about everything on the page, thinking about it, reading it, rereading it. I created my own little cross-references as I look for similar things in the in the Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd read it when I was at, at work during lunch. I'd read it at home when the kids went to bed. I just could not stop reading the Word. Hmm. And um, Linda, my wife, she was the only person that knew this was going on. I didn't tell anybody because it seemed kind of weird, you know. I mean, to have that much of your time just devoted mm-hmm. 
Especially but, if it came, as you said, kind of out of the blue. Out right. of the blue. So it's yeah, a sudden I mean, shift I, that no one else expected. Yeah. I mean, I'd always been a guy with, I always carried a Bible in my briefcase. Mm-hmm. And I knew, you know, I knew a lot of scripture. I knew a lot about scripture, but there was just this, this hunger, this insatiable hunger. And uh, <clears throat> so we talked about it. Linda and I talked about it and thought, well, I mean, it is the Bible. <laughs> what harm can it do? Yeah. Worse uh, things. Don't know why this is happening. It could stop as suddenly as it started. Mm-hmm. Is there some other, uh, something that we don't know yet that God has in mind that why this is happening? We're just going to go with it. I just went. I just, mm-hmm. I just went with it. Um, and uh, that lasted for a year. Okay. At the end of that year, so I was at a company called Maranatha Music, which is a praise and worship publishing company. Sure. I think we at, grew up with Maranatha Music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To a lot yeah. Of Maranatha music. Yeah. I mean, we, anyway. Right. Uh, but at the end of that year, so it was June of the following year, of 97, so this started in June of 96, um, we got in a conversation with Zondervan, the publishing house, the Bible publishing house, about releasing a Bible where the notes were uh, really directed toward worship, calling it a, a personal worship Bible. And again, nobody knew I was doing this. But because of the teaching I'd been doing, and I taught our, our staff uh, Bible studies and that kind of stuff, everybody kind of looked at me on our side and said, well, you should be the guy that oversees the Maranatha side of it. So very long story short, um, what happened was the direction we took that Bible, well, let me back up. You have what are called study Bibles, and then you have devotional Bibles, and then you have other kind of Bibles that are just straight text. There's no other notes. It's just text. Mm-hmm. I read a straight text Bible. If I read a study Bible, like the Life Application, well, Life Application is a is a uh, lifestyle Bible, but like a, the NIV study Bible, if I read that, I get distracted by all the notes because mm-hmm. sure. I read all everything you put trails. in front of me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I read everything you put in front of me except the cues that you wanted me to talk about today. Anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, so I get distracted. So I read a Bible with no notes in it. But the kind of Bible that we wanted to create was a new kind of Bible. There are study Bibles that tell you about the text, about history, about uh, you know culture and all that kind of stuff. Then there are um, application Bibles, like the Life Application Bible, that asks you questions about how does this apply to your life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea that I came at with uh, at this project with was that um, it started with a quote that I found from Ambrose of Milan. Ambrose said, he's talking about the Garden of Eden. He said, as in paradise, the Lord walks through the Holy Scriptures seeking man. Hmm. So his point is that the Bible is not about my search for God. The Bible is about God's search for me. Which then led me to a question. Well, when he finds me here, what am I going to say? So the approach we took in this worship Bible was that all of the notes were prayers. We prayed our way through the scripture. Hmm. When that project came up, then I understood why this whole previous year had happened. Mm -hmm. Because I had actually read through the the scriptures four times in that year. Wow. Wow. Because of the way that I was sort of a circular reading mm-hmm. that I teach about, again, in the deeper devotions. So I'd read through it four times. So when this project came up, I thought, oh, okay, now I understand. Because I'd already thought through mm-hmm. yeah. 
how to respond. Was it baffling during the year? Were you wondering, what is going on with me that I have this insatiable hunger all of a sudden? Yeah. And then it kind of just clicked at that moment after the fact. It, it, yeah, it was baffling and kind of creepy. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm obsessed. <laughs> and I'm also wondering, like, as a spouse, what was your wife's response? Was it baffling for her to see you all of a sudden waking up super early, spending a lot of time reading when it was something maybe she hadn't seen you do very much before? Linda is the easiest person in the world to live with. <laughs> she, I mean, we talk a lot. So she knew, just like I did, this is kind of weird. This is unusual. <laughs> well, let's see what happens. Great. Okay. That's just, that was her attitude. Let's just okay. see what happens. So she was fine. Yeah. Besides, she wasn't getting up at four. So what did she care, right? <laughs> right. You um, slept out of bed quietly. Right. Yeah. yeah. But when I said it was kind of creepy, is I remember one day, one of my kids brought home a, a, a little piece of art that she had drawn at, at uh, school. Maybe it was for, I think it was for Father's Day and uh, or something like that. Couldn't have been. That's June. Anyway, so it was this picture of me which is really funny. And around like a frame around it, she had drawn Bibles all the way around it. And when I saw that, I went, yikes. What does her teacher think of me? This is weird. <laughs> Usually the kids draw themselves Bible. with their family. Dad and his stack weird. of Bibles. Bibles. Yeah. And, and, but I thought, well, I mean, what can I do about it? I, yeah. I, I can't stop reading it. God is doing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My time with him was so rich mm-hmm. and uh, eye-opening and rewarding. So then when I went into the Bible project, that took another two years, sitting all day long in my office with the door closed, oftentimes in tears, mm-hmm. uh, praying through Scripture mm-hmm. and working with other people who were contributing to the project, too. It wasn't just me. It was a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I can look back and say, well, I can see now how those years of that in-depth um, soaking, soaking up the word mm-hmm. prepared me for what I do today. And yeah. then in, in the midst of all of that, uh, I started then studying various commentaries, you know, just, just to, for a deeper understanding of things. So I read mm-hmm. a lot of Bible commentaries. I just was studying my head off for, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, for a long Over time. Over three years, yeah. You sound like living proof that when you study God's Word, you spend time with God, that it pays dividends for the long haul. Right. That you're still reaping, you're still reaping some of the benefits of that time that you spent with God. Not that you don't spend time with God continually now, but you're still reaping benefits today in your present ministry from the sowing that you did all those years ago, mm-hmm. going through that, that yep. season with God. Well, that's true. I mean, because there are things that happen to you intellectually when you do that. You know, just as your brain encounters truth, as your mind encounters truth, I should say. Mm-hmm. But there are also, like I said in the beginning, the more time you spend with someone, the more you become like them. So there's character that begins to develop. Mm-hmm. And um, so there was one point when my son, who didn't know this was going on, because, you know, he didn't get up at four and I'd start reading after he went to bed. So he didn't know what this is all about. But he was... I guess seven at the time, something like this. Out of the blue, one day, he just said, you know, Dad, you're a lot more patient than you used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a weird thing for a seven-year-old to say, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But he noticed something. And the only thing I could attribute it to 
was what was happening mm-hmm. in my time in the work. It was changing something in my character. Mm-hmm. It changed my passions. Mm-hmm. It changed my thought life. Um, it changed my sense of time. Mm-hmm. Because what used to be just a few minutes that seemed to drag on like hours sometimes, most of the time now became literally hours mm-hmm. that just flew past like minutes. Because wow. it's like when you're in a great conversation with a really good friend, mm-hmm. and you've been talking through something really deep, and you look at your watch and you go, oh my word, I got to go. Look, I didn't realize how late it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was that kind See of See you tomorrow, thing. God. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. It was that kind of <laughs> thing. Got to get back. Yeah. Right. So you- yeah, it, 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 it sounded like it, it drew out the fruit of the spirit. It sounded yeah. like there you were you were beginning to embody mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of what God really calls us up toward mm-hmm. to, to living this life where the the these nine fruit of the spirit become kind of an embodiment of who God is flowing through us. Um, and I love that even a seven year old was able to pick that out. It must have been you were really impatient before if he was able to so. see a, a palpable change. <laughs> I must have been horrible because I'm not so good right now. You know so. Well, we ebb and flow, of course. (laughs) Buddy, I'm just thinking through our list, the lens of our listeners, too, thinking some of these people might be listening, thinking, well, that's great that he had a Bible project to work on, but they're maybe in the workplace where they don't, you know, it's not their job to spend extended time in the Word every day. What what doable steps would you give to someone who's maybe starting out in their relationship with God? What does it look like for someone new to the faith to spend time with God or new to this concept of spending time with God? Well, for one thing, when I started that, there wasn't a project. Okay. That's right. It, it yes. was just Reading. A hunger. Right. But having said that, what I always tell people is <clears throat> use whatever time you have, but take your time while you're using it. It's hmm. a good quote. Can you say if, that again? Use whatever time you have, mm-hmm. but take your time while you're using it. Mm-hmm. If you have an hour, Take your time for an hour. Mm-hmm. If you've only got a minute, take your time for a minute. Mm-hmm. In other words, give your full attention. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just for a That's all I have today. Mm-hmm. I only got a minute because I woke up late or whatever. Give it a minute, but take your time for that minute. You don't have to read five chapters every time you sit down in the Bible. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some conversations are longer than others. Sometimes all, all you do, I've got four kids. All four of them are out of the house now. Sometimes the only conversation we have is you just send a text, right? Mm-hmm. It's like four words, praying for you today, or three words, I love you. I mean, just sometimes that's all it is. Other times we're in the back backyard, we're having dinner, and it's a long evening. It, you just, whatever time you've got, you just mm-hmm. take your time. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to be, when you worship an eternal God, you never have to be in a hurry. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. So you just slow down and approach him conversationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if it's all new to you, you don't have to feel like, gee, I got to read through my Bible in a year. Because here's my question: Where in the Bible does it say you have to read through your Bible in a year? Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And whose idea was that? Some. Some type A, a type personality. personality. Yeah. Exactly. Publishing okay. company. Yeah. yeah, publishing company. Yeah. 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 And here's the next one right. you can try. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I'll read this one for you. Yeah. No, it's, it, you, you don't rush conversation with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I see the Word of God as the starting point of conversation. Bible reading and prayer are not two separate activities. Mm-hmm. They're two mm-hmm. parts of a conversation. And you let God start the conversation. What does He have to say to me today? There's a big difference 
between devotional reading and Bible study. Mm. They're very different. What would you say are the differences? In Bible study, you're coming with the agenda. You're coming and saying, what does the Bible have to say? Or, Or let's make this more relational. God, what do you have to say about David's life? Or God, what do you have to say topical? What do you have to say about anger? Or God, what do you have to say about generosity? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's study Bible study, and I'm going to go through scriptures and study and look at what is what does it have to say about that topic. So God, what do you have to say about this topic? That's study Bible study in devotional reading. The question is, God, what do you have to say? And you just let him say what he wants to say. Mm-hmm. You let him start the conversation. Mm-hmm. Where are you on the page? God, what do you want to say to me today? Mm-hmm. I know what's on my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to know more about whatever it was. Yeah. Generosity or, you know, I want to know more about Paul or whatever. And that's fine. And it's helpful. But I think it's more important because he's God and I'm not. Mm-hmm. To say, is there something you want to talk to me about today? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wants to talk to me about my temper or mm-hmm. my, genero- my generosity or my whatever it might be. It's what's on his mind that then starts the conversation and leads me into prayer. And that actually might then become something that I study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. God, well, what else do you have to say about marriage? If you're talking to me about my marriage, what else do you have? To- so mm-hmm. it's the devotional reading that I really was sinking myself into in that year. Mm-hmm. was not coming with any agenda of my own, but just saying, Lord, I'm all ears today. What do you yeah. want to say? Mm-hmm. And yeah. just taking it from there. Mm-hmm. Buddy, I think you're speaking to this already, but what are some doable steps that you would encourage some mature believers? So people who have you know, been walking with Jesus for a long time, maybe know their Bible inside and out. You've shared the difference between devotional and Bible study. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that maybe you would encourage them with in their journey or their walk? Um <clears throat> Get a new Bible and start all over again. I would do that. Why do you say a new Bible? Because if you take your old Bible, and and I treasure my old Bibles with all the notes and underline and scribbles and stuff. But if you come at a brand new Bible and you haven't written anything in it, mm-hmm. you're not reading it through any other lens. Yeah, The words are fresh off the page. Because like I said, with with study Bibles, I tend to read all the notes. Mm-hmm. If I read my old Bible where I was that year pacing the floor and wrestling with God and <clears throat> underlining and marking it, I'm going to look at all that stuff. And it'll bring back to my mind the conversation that we had. Mm-hmm. But I find that it's actually refreshing to come at it with a brand new Bible I've never opened before mm-hmm. and start in again. Mm-hmm. When When the Word says that the Bible is living and active— well, then let it be alive. Don't let it become static. It's dynamic. And there are, there are truths in Scripture that might not come alive in your life until you are in a certain season of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's good to come at Scripture in a fresh way with fresh eyes and sure. say, the Bible that I had when I was a teenager is very different from the one that I have when I'm in my 50s. Uh, and when I come to it because of life lessons, because of my walk of faith, I've had a lot more time to fail, mm-hmm. right? To sin, to mess up than I had when I was a teenager. So all of those, 
all of those life learnings now, when I come to the page, it's going to be different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many uh, um, uh, layers mm-hmm. of truth, you know, that are that are in the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you let God emphasize what He wants to emphasize all over again exactly. for your current season. Right. Exactly. I I love something that you said a while back. I think it was a couple of years ago in a message, and I really uh, I actually took that and I I've kind of brought it to my teaching in class two hundred one, where we talk about how to start a daily quiet time. And in the in the two hundred one book, uh, we give some some Bible reading plans. In fact, there's a point mm. in there that says if you read just fifteen minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible in a year. And coming off the heels of your message, I've actually kind of modified what I say about that. And I say, yes, you can do that. But if you're just getting started and you don't already have a a very well established habit of daily Bible reading, I don't recommend that you try that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And you talked about the idea in your message about how. You know, a lot of times we'll, we'll try to commit ourselves to a one-year plan, we'll get behind, and pretty soon the Bible's either back on the shelf or becomes an object of guilt because yeah. you guilt. because you failed, and you're like, right. well, now that's just a monument to my failure, and that, that whole thing. So what I always tell people is, um, is, is strive for consistency first, and then turn up the intensity later. Because mm-hmm. what you've given us today is a, a, a very wide range. So from, from a year-long, intensive... Uh, immersive experience in God's Word, mm-hmm. all the way back to uh, a, a beginner's one minute in the Word, if that's all that they can do for that day. You've given us a very broad spectrum. And I think what I would say to, to anybody who's listening, especially those of you who don't already have a daily uh, habit of time in God's Word, is that whatever amount that you start with will be better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And if you can start sure. with something, then you can you can over time as you as you for example like brushing your teeth you know if you can get your kid to just brush their teeth for thirty seconds once a day that's a win because then you can always increase that a little bit more as right. as time goes on so you can increase the health and increase the benefit over time but it's just getting the daily habit that for exactly. most people is the hardest part it's just getting it going in the first place exactly mm-hmm. and and that's the thing about this idea of you got to you know pray for an hour or read through Bible and all that stuff. If if I were to if I were to come to you, Beth, in the middle of the day, interrupt you with something you're working on, like I've never done that before. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm pretty used to that. Yeah, pretty yeah. Used to that. But if I were to come to you and say, "Hey, Beth, do you have an hour?" You go, "No, I don't have an <laughs> Not hour." Not really. Right? I tell you next right. week. Next week I have an Chick hour. Rock, but right? if I came to you and I said, <laughs> "If I said you got a minute." Right. Yeah, I got a minute. And that minute might You're turn into an hour. You're going to take an hour. hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a minute might turn into an hour. Yeah. Okay. So if Buddy asks you for a minute, <laughs> you're in yeah. trouble. Look out. Yeah. I told you to change my sense of time. <laughs> no, but, but but that's that's the point is yeah. rather than what was the word you used in terms of the the extensiveness of it is just yeah. what's your intent just mm-hmm. to get yeah. started is if you set out to say, I'm going to spend 30 minutes every day of my life in the Bible, you're going to fail yeah. unless you're that triple A type yeah. with nothing else going on in your life. Yeah. You know, you're never interrupted by life. Mm-hmm. But if you just say, I just got to eat something, I just, it's like, it's like the difference between grabbing a snack and a five course meal. Not every meal is a five-course meal, but yeah. that doesn't mean that if I don't have time to sit down to a five-course meal, that I don't eat anything. Mm-hmm. Grab right? a hot pocket. You, right. something. You get something. Grab a bagel on your <laughs> way out the door. It's, it's what is my intention is that I want to give some, some time because I want to get something from the Lord. Mm. 
And that minute could turn into an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I try to start out with an hour, I'm probably not going to make it more than two or three minutes. Yeah. I also find that starting with that rhythm or routine orders the rest of my day. You know, for some people, they say it's flossing or brushing their teeth or making their bed. Mm-hmm. That sort of sets mm-hmm. the rest of the day in motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I find for me, my daily time in the word sets the rest of my day, whether it's a minute because we're rushing out the door to get kids to school or whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. We've actually, I'm glad you brought that up because we've talked a little bit on our team because so much of what we do on the spiritual maturity team is about spiritual disciplines, getting people to build certain habits into their lives, helping mm-hmm. them do that. And one way that the research shows that you can do that is by coupling a habit that you want to be successful in with a habit you're already successful mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So for one example um, that you know Pastor Rob has used before is is just like brushing your teeth. So begin to associate the habit of Bible reading with the habit of brushing the teeth. So set your Bible next to your toothbrush. If you're already an avid toothbrusher, and I <laughs> hope you are for all of our sake, yes. uh, you can couple those two habits and say, well, when I, whenever I see my toothbrush now, I see my Bible. And even if that means I'm standing in the bathroom for two minutes reading a half a chapter or something, you've now paired two habits yeah. and you've increased your success at the second one because you're you're sort of letting the new habit ride the wave yeah. of momentum that the first habit already yeah, has. Sure. It's called habit stacking and it can be a really helpful way. Yeah. But I, th- I think what we want, I, I think what I really want everybody to hear um, if, if nothing else today, you're hearing at least the three of us give you permission to start as small as you want to with God's mm-hmm. word. Because yeah. what matters is that you just get started. Because it, God can take that time and grow it and he can multiply it. And God has a way of God has a way of taking the small seed that we plant and growing it into a, an enormous crop. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you'll experience that if you'll begin to do some habits. We've talked about a couple things today that are, I think, really good tools for anybody who may be watching or listening. Um, one of them is Class 201. We've referenced that before. And you've, if you've been watching the, the show for very long or listening, you've, you've heard us bring that up before. But if you're, if you're struggling to build a quiet time into your life or you just don't know how, Sign up for Class 201 at any of our campuses, and we would love to just just walk you through a basic outline of what you can do in your time with God. Just a suggestion for you to get started. Another one is Deeper Devotions, which you wrote that we love to, to put on as a team. Um, there's always one on the horizon. Um, we can't talk about which one is now because we don't know when this episode will air, but we uh, have a new landing page that you can check out, which is saddleback.com slash maturity, and you can get all of our good stuff there. Um, would you want to say a little bit more about Deeper Devotion? Just describe it for everybody who may be listening. Sure. Um, it's an all-day retreat uh, where I guess it's like going deeper into some of the things we talk about in 201. Yeah. I tell a little bit of my story. Um, and what I teach is this whole idea of conversational a time in the Word, conversational prayer, um, how to read with your ears. Hmm. Um I do some teaching on prayer as well. One of the things, getting back to time, let's say, um, a suggestion, because again, there's this this sense that so many people have that if you want to be a person of prayer, it all happens at one point in time. Hmm. It's like I spend 30 minutes in the morning in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, my grow time. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah, right. Well, I don't have that kind of uh, focus. I can't pray for 30 I fall asleep, okay? I just forget it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So what I do is I, what I've developed a habit of what I call first minutes. And it's those first minutes of, of all the different functions of the day. So the first minute when you wake up in the morning, 
when my feet hit the floor, right? The first minute in the car and leave the office. Mm. The minute when I'm walking down the hallway to a meeting. It's those moments that I turn into prayer moments. Mm. And if you develop a habit like that, what I have found is now my prayer life is not just relegated to one little piece of my day. You, you wind up living a dualistic life. It's mm. like, well, here's my spiritual life, and then here's the rest of it. Right. Yeah. But instead, it's just... It's woven throughout the whole day, just yeah. constant conversations, mm. anything that comes up um, that I just take a moment and talk to the Lord about. Mm -hmm. It's a way of using my time to develop the relationship and the friendship with him. Mm. The other thing that I've done for, for spreading that prayer time, and I teach about this in Deeper Devotions, um, is uh, what I call prayer memorials. Um, and I learned this from, from my mentor. Uh, what I mean by prayer memorials is is they could be visual, it could be something audible that reminds me to pray for somebody. So for example, I have a son-in-law who is an Orange County Sheriff deputy. I have another son-in-law who's a firefighter up in uh, Central California. So whenever I see a police car, I pray for my son-in-law, Micah. It's a memorial. It's, it's a reminder. When I see a fire truck... I pray for my son-in-law, Sean, a firefighter. Mm -hmm. If all I do is hear a siren and I don't see either vehicle, I pray for both of them, mm -hmm. okay? is I've set up things like that to remind me to pray. There's another one, a friend of mine. Um, I, I can't go into the story of why this happens, but whenever and, and it, why it happens, I don't know. It happens at least once a week where I happen to look at my phone and the time says 11-11. Happens all the time, mm -hmm. sometimes three or four times in a week. Mm -hmm. I just happen to open it up as 11 11. When I see that, I pray for my friend Eric mm -hmm. because it meant something to him. 11 11. He doesn't know I'm doing this, mm -hmm. but I do it. So if you set up those little things, well, now what happens is your prayer gets spread throughout the day and your life becomes more integrated. Yeah. Everything is communicating one message. It's all. It's all a constant search for the glory of God. It's a constant asking for his blessing or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Hmm. So it keeps me in this, not only in an attitude of prayer, but it keeps me in an awareness sure. of God's presence yeah. throughout the day that I didn't leave him in my prayer closet at home, but that we're together all yeah. the time. Yeah. That's really enriched my my time sense of, of how to be with God. So mm. in Deeper Devotions, I talk about some of those kind of things of how to develop those sorts of uh, uh, practices. That's great. That's great. Every time that happens, we get feedback from people yeah. telling us how much they loved it, how much it helped them. Mm -hmm. um, we know how much guilt people have about their quiet time mm -hmm. and how right. so many of us, me included, mm -hmm. failed for so long before we finally hit our stride with our quiet time. And to have somebody who just come alongside, take the guilt away, and give you some practical tools to just get going and start building it into your life is really, really valuable. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people have um, have just in the last, gosh, year or so since we've even begun offering it, have been spiritually revolutionized because of, because of it. So make sure you check that out. Buddy, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for asking. Yes. This was really, really Thank great. You. We'll have you on for so future fun. episodes, no doubt. Beth, thanks thank for being here too. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you for watching or listening. We'll see you next time. If you're a podcast listener and you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. And if you're thinking, hey, listening's great, but is there a way I can watch these episodes? Yeah, there is. 
Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for video versions of these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you're already watching us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows, your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.